Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. In today's Heal the Hurt podcast, I'm going to help you transform your relationship with anxiety. Now, I'm going to do that by offering you some skills and tools I don't think you can find anywhere else. And these are incredibly powerful with every single client I've ever worked with on their anxiety. The anxiety is left almost immediately and it's never reoccurred. In other words, they've had long-term years of periods where they're still, they have not had an anxiety attack. And many of my clients, the longest they'd ever made it was four days without a panic or anxiety attack. And these The processes I'm going to share with you are so effective, they have yet, not a single one has had a recurring anxiety attack after they learned this process. So I want to share it with you because so much of the information on anxiety isn't giving you the solution that you deserve. And so you're being forced to rely on medication. I want to make it clear, if your anxiety is severe, medication can be a great place to start. It's wonderful. It'll numb you. The problem is It never deals with the source of the problem. All it does is medicate the symptoms. Studies show that anyone who uses anxiety medication, in most cases, their anxiety gets worse. And in every case, when they stop using the medication, the problems persist. And in most cases, the problems are now worse. In other words, the anxiety is worse once you stop the medication. That's the problem with medication is it's a stopgap. It might, in some people, it might lower the effects of the anxiety, but it will never heal it. And in most cases, it makes it worse. Well, what I'm going to share with you does the exact opposite. It works. It's long lasting. It repeats itself. You never have to go back on medication when you learn these skills and tools. And to me, that's highly valuable. So the first place we have to start is What your doctors and what most people won't tell you is what causes anxiety. Well, anxiety is the fear response. Plain and simply, it's high levels of fear um, that rob you of the ability to live your life. Okay, so it's normal for us to get anxious about certain things. There's a high, you know, most people call anxiety or, you know, or stress, those moments, that's what they'll call them, anxious moments or stressful moments. What they're shying away from is the truth. When we feel those healthy moments of anxiety or stress, what we're feeling is healthy, healthy levels of fear. It is perfectly okay to experience healthy levels of fear. It can be a motivator. Fear activates us and gets us to do something. That's wonderful. We don't want to lose that. All right. But when it comes to high levels of so-called stress or so-called anxiety, what you're really, the, the client or the person is experiencing, experiencing is super high levels of fear. They are in massive fight or flight. Now, in the case of anxiety, what's different about that than typical stress is It is pain from the past. It is fears from the past. 
being brought into the present moment. So it doesn't make sense as to what's going on. So they may not want to get on a plane or go in an elevator. They may be sitting watching TV and all of a sudden they get heart palpitations and sweats and, you know, they just start freaking out. Well, that's, that's what separates anxiety is it doesn't fit the moment. The, the anxiety or the fears are in a sense irrational. They are, I don't want to, that, that sounds demeaning and that's not my point. But they are not to the. They are not appropriate for the situation. So somebody might be afraid of animals or something, but it's to a level that's inappropriate. Okay, they can't contain themselves, and so what that does, they they end up shutting themselves down and taking themselves out of life. They're just like, well, I every time I get in a public situation, I freak out, so I'm just going to stay in my room and watch TV. So they can no longer participate in their life. That's what takes healthy anxiety and switches it into a disorder is when they can no longer participate. And that's who this video is for, okay? So what creates that is pain from the past. Most often, it was a parent, a caregiver, brother, sister, coach, therapist, somebody who sent the message either directly or indirectly that they should not have any type of negative emotions, that it's not okay for them to feel emotions. That's one cause. Another cause could be just plain out trauma. They may have experienced a threatening situation as a child that's never been uh, threatening or abusive or just scary um, situation as a child that's never been dealt with. And so... Here they are, as an adult, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, re-experiencing that trauma. And here's why it's a re-experiencing. Every bit of emotional trauma we ever go through gets lodged in the body. It doesn't get lodged in the brain. That's not where we hold our trauma. It's a physical place. That's why illness and disease are caused by emotional trauma, because we store that emotional trauma in our body. And so you're sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden your heart starts doing this, okay? That's your body sending a signal to you. Hey, remember when you were a kid and mom yelled at you because you fell down and hurt your knee and you were screamed and yelled at, don't cry? Big boys don't cry. That's what you're experiencing while you're watching TV and maybe there was a show that looked very similar to that and you're completely unaware that these two moments are attaching to themselves and you're reliving the trauma of your mother castigating you for being a weak little boy, okay? Now, it doesn't always have to be that way, but the general theme is this, that there's something wrong with you for experiencing any type of so-called negative emotion. Now, this is pervasive in our culture, how we teach this, especially in sports. I brought this up in another recent video when I was watching a, a documentary about tennis and how Andy Roddick was going to be the new American star. And dang it, I just had his name. And I, the last time I brought this up, I forgot the guy's name and I just did it again. And someone commented on a post and gave me his name and I had it all in my head and I, I did it to myself again. But he suffered from severe anxiety. Well, you know what caused it? And this is what was sad about the documentary is he went to a famous tennis academy. 
and what they taught in that tennis academy. They showed the video for how to be mentally tough. And this psychologist who was teaching all of these kids how to be mentally tough was literally berating them for showing any emotion. That's how you be mentally tough. That it's a sign of weakness and you're a bad tennis player. You will never play at the highest levels if you show any level of negative emotion. Sports, we really beat people up for experiencing any negative emotion. I brought this up in previous videos where Ray Lewis, the famed football player, several years ago, Odell Beckham Jr. was having a meltdown on the sidelines. He was going through a lot of things emotionally. And Ray Lewis commented on, it's okay that he's angry, but it's not okay that he's crying. See, we can, as men, we can act like barbarians. We can beat the hell out of anybody. That's okay. But if we act anything that looks somewhat feminine, there's something wrong with that. Well, there you go, the suppression of emotion. So what I want you to think about in your life is how was it not okay for you to be sad, angry, scared, afraid? How is it not okay for you to speak your needs and wants, to share your morals and values, to share anything about yourself? How were you castigated and suppressed and told, we don't talk about that? I had a client in the office yesterday, and this is very prevalent. She's, she's Latin. And in the Latin culture, you know, the, the message she was sent, and she came to see me because of anxiety. She's having severe panic attacks out of nowhere, just can't shut them down and can't stop crying and doesn't know why. Well, her mother was very distant from her emotionally, never hugged her, never told her she loved her. And anytime she brought up to her mother, you know, how when she was young, a little a boy didn't like her, anything like that, her mother would look at her and go, well, why do you care? Just get over it and move on. And the same thing with her father. Her father was very disparaging to her verbally, but then would take her for ice cream. Like he'd buy her things. And so he was very negative emotionally. But then, because he felt so much guilt and shame over it, he'd buy her things. So it created this confusing dynamic. And the consistent message from both parents was, as soon as anything happened, get over it. It's in the past. It doesn't matter move on, make better choices, and do it differently. There were, she was never allowed to process any emotion. And that's at the heart of all anxiety. doesn't matter if you're afraid of certain animals, if you're afraid of planes or cars or people, whatever it is. It's an emotional dysregulation. It's an inability to navigate emotions. And so focusing on, you know, a lot of therapies will do like what's called exposure therapy. They will take you to the place or say you're afraid of an animal. They'll have you sit and watch an animal for a while and then have you sit inside a house with an animal and then maybe hold the, hold the leash of the animal, then eventually sit and they, they're trying to expose you to the fear. And, and, you know, studies have shown that can be moderately effective. But ultimately, it's, it's not very effective because we're not dealing with the root issue. Underneath it, that fear of an animal or of a plane or whatever the object may be is a metaphor for what's really going on. And so that's the next thing we have to talk about is what is it you're afraid of? 
And I want you to think about how this fear ties in metaphorically to what you experienced. So those people who are afraid to fly, this is huge. How as a child did you feel trapped, confined, powerless, or who piloted your life? Think about it. Some people that are afraid of planes had a very domineering, controlling parent, or maybe they weren't um, overtly domineering or controlling, but you realized unless they were kept happy, there was going to be problems. So it's not always this you know, yelling, screaming, dominant parent, but many times we can have a parent who's sick and hurt and very weak and, oh, God, this is just, I just, that was my mother. You brought up anything to my mother and she'd collapse. Oh my God, I can't deal with this. And so what did that leave me? That left me, I had to take care of my mother. So she's piloting my life. Now, I'm, I don't have anxiety problems, but what I'm trying to give you is examples to look in. If you're afraid of flying, who piloted your life? How was it controlled so that you couldn't express your emotions? How about elevators? This is somebody, think about the emotional experience of being in an elevator. You're in a box. You are smothered. You are confined. You are controlled. You are trapped. Did you, like me, I had an older brother who just pinned me down. Like he could hold me by my hat. Here, here's an anxiety I have. Trucks or big vans or semis. If I get behind one while driving, I, free, I get really angry. You know why? Because I had an older brother who was huge and he could hold me by my head and completely control me. And so think of it, I'm being held like this. His hands were huge. So when I'm behind a truck or a semi, it's huge. It's like my brother's hand. I can't see, I'm trapped. I can't go anywhere. And out of nowhere, this rage comes up inside of me. And I have to, like, I, I'm, I'm not so bad, but when I was younger, if I didn't, I had, like, I'd get angry and I would accelerate. I didn't care if I went 90 miles an hour. I had to get in front of that truck. I would not ever sit behind a truck, but I didn't realize that it was my brother that I was fighting it had nothing to do with the truck. And the same thing is happening to you, whether you have social anxiety, whether you're afraid of planes or trucks or whatever it may be, you are reliving an emotional experience that you had no power and control over as a child. And all of that energy is being replayed in this moment. What about those who, you know, public speaking is, I think consistently for decades, always been rated as the number one fear. Well, that tells me a lot. Why would somebody ask yourself, why would somebody be afraid to speak? Think of it. Speaking. What's childhood? What happened when we disagreed with our parents? What happened when we wanted to do something that was different than theirs? What happened to our speech? Did we get in trouble when we spoke our true thoughts and feelings? Do you still have secrets from your parents because you're afraid that if they knew you thought or felt these things, they wouldn't approve? The epidemic of public speaking is a trauma reaction to childhood. It was our voices were taken from us. Now look, in every healthy parenting, 
we're always, we need restrictions, we need rules, we need guidelines, we need boundaries. But since we aren't taught the difference between boundaries and abuse, all parents cross that line. All parents are human and they come home from a stressful day at work and they just explode. Shut up, I don't wanna hear it. Go to your room, just leave me alone. Boom. <coughs> it's just a perfectly imperfect moment <clears throat> that a parent had. But in that moment, we learned, I can't speak. It's not okay. I can't have my thoughts and feelings. I can't have my morals and values. And I can't negotiate this with you. And so, public, the fear of public speaking is because our voice was stolen from us. So the first thing when I work with clients that are struggling with anxiety is, we have to find the source of the trauma. What pain from the past did you experience? And the first key is whatever your anxiety for you, it might be a disorder. If it is a disorder, whatever you want to classify it as, whatever your anxiety is, find the metaphor. How does it relate? Okay. How does it relate to the experience you had in childhood? Like I talked about being in trucks. Okay. <clears throat> That's the first place we need to look. Now, the second I'm going to give you is a process to discover how it's showing another way to see how it's showing up in your life so you can work to heal on it. And this is the healing process, which will get you off of medication and get you dealing with the source of the problem, not medicating the symptoms. Okay. Now to do this, go to my website, www.thegreatnessuniversity.com. Go to the tab that says free content. Underneath that, you're going to see a feelings wheel. Print that off. Keep that with you. You're also going to see uh, another print-off called 10 Simple Steps to Heal Emotional Pain. Print that one off as well. All right. The first thing is start with that feelings wheel. And for a couple days, just track what you're feeling. Three to five times a day, check in and see what you're feeling. After you get used to doing that, then check in and go, where in my body do I feel it? Remember, we store all emotional pain in our body. Okay. And so we need to become aware of that. The next step is, what's my first memory of having this feeling? And we need to start tracking that. And that's where we're going to start seeing, here's where I learned to be trapped, confined, where I experienced I had no voice. We're going to find the source of the trauma that has created the anxiety that got us stuck. We're basically, when you're in anxiety, you're stuck in a fear state from years ago that's being brought into the future. You're reliving it, and you were in those moments, there was a lack of secure attachment with your parents. Um, there, you could find out there was, you know, you could remember and recognize there was severe chaos in your house growing up, whether it was mom or dad working all the time or addiction or something. But basically, there consistently was not a safe environment. Now, you may have tricked yourself like the client yesterday who started off by saying, oh, my childhood was great and asking a few questions. I had to bring her into reality before she could admit, oh my God, what she experienced was severe neglect. She'd never hugged or been told by her mother that she loved her. That's severely abusive. We have one central need as, as a human being. We must physically and emotionally attach to another human being. Her mother never made that possible. My God, that would scare the living hell out of a child. But see, we've learned to detach 
to survive the abuse and the neglect and the trauma. And we've minimized it, suppressed it. And society tells us, don't look in the past. And our whole message as a family was, don't ever look in the past, just move forward. And so do you see why she would be so anxious to even come see someone like me who might talk about the past puts the whole social family structure at risk. Do you see how threatening, like she was basically threatened. Don't ever feel, don't deal with anything. So if you go see somebody, a coach or a therapist to deal with this, you're breaking the family crest. Our family is set up on this dynamic that we don't deal with feelings. Holy Jones. No wonder she's having these panic attacks, which she can't stop crying. She's crying the tears of neglect and abandonment and suppression and repression that it was never okay for her to have any needs and wants. That is a house that has no security. There's no attachment. There is pure chaos. And that is unsafe. And that's how almost all of us live, but we minimize, oh, it's not that big a deal. It didn't affect me. Oh, yes, it did. Yes, it did. It's affecting all of us. And that's why anxiety doesn't get dealt with because the... Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The helping professionals are not talking about the root causes. It is always in trauma. That's where anxiety starts, okay? So... The thing to remember is you didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing bad or broken in you. The exact opposite is the truth. You're incredibly gifted. You came up with an absolutely perfect coping skill to survive intolerable pain and messaging that Obviously, look at your life. Look at how difficult it's been with this anxiety. That is the living proof of how scared you were at your parents or your caregivers or whoever the primary people were that placed this into you. The way it's showing up in your life now is giving you a window into how scary it was for you as a child. Now think about it. You're scared to death, whether you're 20, 40, 60 years old, dealing with this anxiety. Just think of... What of the pressure on a four, six, eight, ten, twelve year old, whatever it was, when this first happened to you, can you see how impressive it is that you survived it? You are an incredible individual to have been able to navigate all of that pain at such a young age. No child should be asked to carry that burden or navigate that and look at what you've done. You should feel nothing but tremendous respect and empathy and be incredibly proud of what you did. And this brings home another client of mine who, um, you know, has been dealing with anxiety and 
for her, there are many levels of it. And so the process with her has been finding all the different ways she was told she couldn't be herself. And one came up this week. That's what spurred me to do this video. Um, and it was about gossip. There was a situation in her life where people were gossiping and, you know, we had our session and she was just, the feelings were huge about how bad it was to gossip and how she, upset she was. And, and so when I saw that, I knew, you know, there was something in childhood. We were, obviously we used this process work back. And that was the message in childhood by her parents. Like there was, her parents would get vehemently angry if anyone gossiped. Well, her parents were both gossipers. <laughs> That's the irony of when our parents do these things. They're usually doing everything they, they're telling us not to do. So all of that pain, see, when, when we really hate something, it's because we're doing it. So her parents were vehemently against gossiping, yet they're doing it. So all the anger and rage they have over people who gossip, they were projecting outwards, but it's really their own self-loathing and rage for how they gossip, okay? They're angry at themselves, but they can't see it because they had to, just like this client, they had to repress it as well. And so they can't see themselves. But the problem is all of that rage got dumped into my client. That's the anxiety. That's what parents do. They just pass it down. And so we as the child are now carrying our parents' pain. It's part of what you're going to learn to release. That's why you're stuck in this anxiety. You're carrying somebody else's pain. And so as we talked about that, she said, so then, you know, we figured it out. She was 10 years old when all of this, you know, hit her. And it was fascinating. In a very young voice, she goes, so what should I have done instead, Kenny? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I decided to create this coping skill and do this. What should I have done? And I just, like in that moment, the sadness hit me of, man, here's this 10-year-old 10, 10 little girl, in a sense, in this moment, who's afraid of being bad and wrong. And as I said to her, I said, you didn't do, I said, you did perfectly. Your response was perfect. You didn't do anything wrong. You shouldn't have responded any other way than to have pushed all this down and taken all of that on. It was the actual, the perfect response. What you did is you developed a false persona that realized, wait a minute, I can't be me because if I'm me, mom and dad will have a problem with it. So I need to now be the one who carries their pain about gossiping. Okay, I'll develop that for you, mom and dad, so that you get what you need, mom and dad. And that way you don't, you're not upset. You're not angry. I will be the perfect child for you. And in that, I will also drop who I am so that you're pleased. And I will do this because you've just proved to me the only way I get attachment from you is if I become the person who carries your pain around gossiping. How did you make a wrong decision? I said to her, it was brilliant. And she started to cry. She's like, I didn't expect that response. I could have sworn you'd have told me I should have, like what she thought I would respond is how now as an adult to deal with it. I was like, but you were 10 years old. It's not 
appropriate for you to respond as an adult. Your parents were asking you to carry an adult responsibility that they couldn't carry. They didn't know how to stop gossiping. They didn't know how to deal with their emotions because society and their own parents never taught them how to deal with their emotions. And so they passed that responsibility on to you. And so you came up with an incredibly gifted response to go, you know what? I love you, mom and dad. I'll do anything for you. I'll carry your pain. It's a perfect response because it's the only way you could survive. And it's the same for you. You didn't do anything wrong. And you're not doing anything wrong now when you have your panic attacks, when you have your anxiety attacks, and all that shame and self-loathing and sometimes self-disgust at why can't I deal with this that comes up. None of those feelings are yours. Those are the people that place the anxiety into you. That's their self-loathing. That is their self-disgust. And you did an incredible job carrying that for them. It's incredibly kind and loving of you. It was also an incredibly gifted way to survive an intolerable situation. You have tremendous power, tremendous grace. And now think about it. Now that you're aware of the process and you see how gifted you are, just think of how powerful you're going to be when you go through that 10-step process and you start using these skills and tools for you, whereas all you were taught was how to use them against you. Imagine what you're going to be able to accomplish now. That's impressive. And that's what you're sitting, that's the precipice you're sitting on. So most likely there will be some anxiety, one, to accept this truth, that it's your parents' pain that you're carrying. And two, oh my God, who am I going to be if I let this anxiety go? This is all I've ever known. And that's the other piece that's hidden in the anxiety dilemma that people don't want to tell you about. In part, not all, but many times, children that went through this, they learned that they get rewarded for being sick, being hurt, being anxious, it was the only way that they got the parent to show up for them and give them attention. So early on, they developed asthma. They developed all these different conditions or fears and phobias to suck their, because their parents, remember, were neglecting them emotionally. They didn't get the, the secure attachment and attunement. So they developed this illness, disease, or chronic condition because it got my parents care and attention. I did that. I write about all of that in my book, Your Journey to Success. And everyone does this. I know that's hard to believe and no one wants to hear that, but it's true. When you do the work, you'll see, oh my God, I got sick and hurt and I got a lot of these conditions to suck care out of somebody. Because what happens if we're sick or hurt? Almost always people take care of us. Now, there are some that get sick and hurt or get in trouble, create these, and their parents flip out. They are met with rage, um, confrontation. Their parents are volatile and will deny any type of care to them. 
But do you see, even when a parent vehemently pushes you away and says you're wrong and bad, do you see how all of that energy is still care? Because somebody who doesn't care about us, do they get angry at us? Do they fight with us? They just walk away. They just, you don't matter to me, so I'm not even going to argue with you. You're of no significance. But if I'm filled with rage, it's what's called negative attention, negative control. And so many times you can have one, you know, both of those reactions while they're polar opposites are achieving the same result. One, I get the loving care that I never got, or I get the rage, which means I'm still getting attention even if it's negative. I've seen that happen a lot with children. They become the so-called black sheep of the family because now the, the whole family revolves around fixing the black sheep. Well, that's care and attention, even if everything they're being told they're doing is bad or wrong. It's still attention. It's better than nothing. Because I was so deprived and the message was sent that I can't share what I really think and feel. And so the fact that you openly discard me, it at least shows you're paying attention to me. I'll take that because that's better than complete abandonment. Okay? So that's what's underlying all of this. The cause of anxiety is pain from the past being brought into the present that's never been dealt with. Again, the solution, go to my website, www. Oh, that's too many W's. TheGreatnessUniversity.com. Print off the feelings wheel. Print off the 10 simple steps to heal emotional pain. Go to my YouTube channel. Watch the video, How to Heal Pain from the Past. Put those two together. It'll walk you through the exact process that I've taught every single client to this day, I've never had a client not nearly immediately heal their anxiety. Now, you may not be able to do this on your own. You may need, you, you can hire me and I'll walk you through the process or take this process to a skilled professional and say, look, I need you, your help guiding me through this recovery from the anxiety. But this will get you off the medication. This will get you to really conquer it for the first time in your life and transform your relationship with it. Okay? So if you think this will help somebody, please share it. Please leave me your comments, and most of all, enjoy the journey to healing and transforming your anxiety.